Welcome to the Morningstar Las Cruces Sermon Podcast. We are in week two of a sermon series called Practicing Life, Connecting with God and Daily Tasks. This week's sermon is entitled Being Nourished, and Pastor Amy preaches from Psalm 34, verses 4 through 10. We joined the worship service already in progress. This recording is made available because of the generosity of our listeners. If you find these sermons to be helpful for you in your faith journey, please consider making a donation online at www.mstarlc.church. That's M-S-T-A-R-L-C.church. Or you could give through your phone by texting mstarlc to 77977. You will receive instructions back and then you follow that link and your giving is made safe and easy through your phone. You may also follow along with what is going on at Morningstar by downloading the Morningstar Las Cruces mobile app at the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Thank you for listening and thank you for all it is that you do grace and peace to you and yours. You know, when we baptize children, we promise to support them in the growth of their faith. And supporting Grayson and his Eagle Project is one of the ways that we can do that. What a wonderful thing for him to be achieving at this point in his life. So thank you for giving him the time to talk to you about that this morning. Grace and peace to you, beloved. My name is Amy wilson Feltz, in case you didn't know, and I am the pastor here at Morningstar. And I am so excited to be in this sermon series with you that we are calling Practicing Life. So our passage for today comes from the book of Psalms. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn pretty much to the middle of your Bible and you'll find the Psalms there. Or you can pull it up on your app or you can read on the screens above me as well as we share the words of God together this morning. From Psalm 34, verses 4 through 10. Hear now the word of God. I sought the Lord, and God answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to God and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear God and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in God. Oh, fear the Lord, you holy ones, for those who fear God have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
several years ago now, I walked into the break room at my place of work to witness one of my coworkers eating his lunch, and other coworkers were gathering around him. I was curious about their curiosity, so I moved closer expecting to see some exotic fare that he was enjoying before their eyes, and I was perplexed to discover that the meal that was garnering so much attention was grilled chicken breast and steamed vegetables. People moved in closer, and my coworker graciously continued to eat. One person said, that looks healthy. Another one said, does it taste good? That's when my coworker put his fork down, stopped chewing, smiled, and said, food is fuel. It does not have to taste good. Food is fuel. You can't really argue with that statement. Food is fuel. It nourishes our bodies. But for many of us, it is so much more than that. We associate food with beautiful memories. We fear it in terms of our body image. Depending on our dietary needs, some food will make us sick when it makes others healthy. There's no shortage of strategies and plans out there to help us take control over our relationship with food. Don't eat gluten. Cut out meat. Take it easy with the dairy. Cut your meals in half. Replace your traditional meals with protein shakes. Don't eat after 6 p.m. Don't eat anything until you first drink eight ounces of water. Basically, just adopt the rule that if it tastes good, you should spit it out. It's true that our bodies will not survive, and they certainly will not thrive without taking in essential vitamins and nutrients from the foods that we eat and drink. It's one of those things that we as human beings can find connection in. It's our commonality. It's something that we talked about last week as we launched the sermon series, Practicing Life, Connecting with God and Our Daily Tasks. And it's in that commonality that we can be challenged in our food consumption if we're willing to see beyond our own basic human needs and acknowledge the needs of others and acknowledge how our habits of growing and purchasing and preparing and eating and even disposing of food affects others. In truth, our food Consumption is not just about our own nourishment. And if you are using the sermon notes that are available on your app, that would be your first answer. Our food consumption is not just about our own nourishment. And the the truth is we as 21st century Americans, we're not as connected as we once were to the sources of our food, to the natural, the natural rhythms of the earth, to the, the seasons of growing and harvesting. Now, there's an exception in Las Cruces. When would that exception be? Green chili season, right? At harvest time, the whole town smells delicious. But by and large, our relationship with food is about us and what we need with little regard to the effect that our choices have on the rest of humanity or on the earth. And it's a disconnect that is as false as the disconnect between our bodies and our souls. We talked about that last week, and I won't go into the whole thing, but we have been taught to see that our bodies and our souls are at war with each other from thousands of years of philosophical 
teaching, but we challenged that notion last week with a reading from Lamentations and the words of a prisoner from Jerusalem, someone who knew the bitter taste of suffering and still found the faith to claim that God's mercies are new every morning, every time we rise to face the day. This morning, we consider the words of a poet who points to God's faithfulness through a pattern of deliverance from difficult circumstances. Our passage is from Psalm 34, and it can be found in the first book of Psalms. We look at Psalms as one book, but it's really five books of poems, 150 poems to be exact, written by various people in various circumstances, inviting us to see how our inner life can be made public in our shared experiences. These poems, they speak of what it means to be human, and they were shared verbally and often set to music. They served as the first hymns of the Hebrew people. Now, this particular psalm is attributed to King David, and it's known for its wisdom. The imagery that David uses speaks of God's praiseworthiness, but it does not address God directly. We don't see a direct address to God in these words. What we see is a poem about God, about God's faithfulness, because it's good for people of faith to recognize that God is faithful and good. And it uses language that we can understand, language of our basic senses, oh, taste and see. And we learn as children that there are five basic human senses of our physical bodies, touch, taste, sight, hearing, and smell. Now, some of these senses function better for some of us than others, and some don't work in the traditional sense, but Together, our working senses combine to help us make sense of our experiences. And we find value in our senses because they add value to what we're experiencing. Our senses add value to what we are experiencing. So if we have the use of our sight, we can identify the object that is in front of us with our vision, but we can also enjoy its beauty If we have the use of our taste buds, we can discern whether something is edible or inedible, but we can also savor the tasty bites. Our senses add value to our experiences. In other words, we can taste and see much more than we can taste and see because of our body-soul connection. And this is really good because it reveals that our nourishment of our bodies and our souls and even the earth are connected. The nourishment of our bodies and our souls and the earth are connected. They're connected by God. That's what King David is trying to tell us in Psalm 34. Now, this poem, it carries quite the backstory because David is one of those characters whose story takes many twists and turns. Right? This is the same David who was anointed to be the king by the priest Samuel when David was just a boy, heads shorter than his strapping brothers. It's the same David who gained a reputation for slaying a giant 
with a rock and a slingshot. It's the same David who found a target on his back put there by the current king who wasn't super excited about giving up his power. One particular conflict with King Saul led David to run away to a nearby land. This part of David's story can be read in 1 Samuel in our Old Testament. And in this foreign land, with his head full of fear of one king, David began to fear all kings. He feared for his life within the borders of this place where he sought safety, perhaps reasoning, if one king wants to kill me, maybe they all do. Legend has it that David pretended to be insane as he sought asylum, vandalizing the doors of the gate of the city and allowing saliva to run down his beard. I am not making this up, I promise. It's in chapter 21 of 1 Samuel. I'm not even embellishing the details here. I want to be very careful because mental health is not something to take lightly. A person's mental state, any person's mental state is not a punchline. It's not something to be mimicked or manipulated for our own purpose or for dramatic effect. And we know that David was not perfect. His most visible and damaging actions, including adultery and murder, are made plain in our holy text. But he's also described as someone who was after God's own heart, someone in whom God saw great depth and promise and leadership. And we can reason that the stress of running from someone who considers you to be a threat would take a toll on your mental well-being and on your view of the world. So what I'm suggesting here is that perhaps David wasn't pretending to be insane. As the story is often told, perhaps he literally was in mental distress at the time. Perhaps running for his life led him to a place where fear for his life took hold. Perhaps the restlessness and the violence and the drooling on the outside were reflecting what was going on on the inside. And when the king of the foreign land witnessed David's actions, David was set free. His life was spared once again. And out of his mouth flowed the words that we read this morning. I sought the Lord, and God answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And then a little bit later, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. O oh, taste and see. It's a double imperative. It's a double charge, a double invitation to experience God's provision in the most tangible of ways with our basic human senses. Can you hear the relief? In those words, as well as the promise, as well as the, the energy behind it, there's relief. Think about a time when you felt really thirsty. I mean, like parched. Like you got to the point where you could not do anything else or think of anything else until you took a drink of water. How did that water taste? Most refreshing water you've ever tasted, right? Before or since. What about a time when you were hungry, when your stomach ached because of hours or maybe even days of emptiness? How did the food taste when you finally took a bite? The most delicious thing you've ever tasted, right? Think about not seeing someone that you love 
for a very long time. Many of us can identify with that. How did that person's face look to you when you saw that person for the first time? It was a sight for sore eyes, right? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, David says, because God cares for us. God cares about our parched lips and our grumbling stomachs and our loneliness and the fear that rises out of our own vulnerability. God cares about that. Now, fear is a word that we read often in the Bible. We read it three times in five verses this morning. One of the features of wisdom literature in the Old Testament is repetition. And David employs this technique in this psalm, first by acknowledging his own fears, but then he mentions what happens when we fear the Lord. An angel of the Lord surrounds those who fear God, he says in verse 7. And then in verse 9, those who fear God do not lack anything. Now, we know enough about David's story to know that he did live in fear many times. Yes, he was strong and influential and favored by God, but he also recognized his vulnerability and the consequences of his behavior and the controversy that seemed to follow him. He was afraid, but he sings the praises of God for being set free from that fear. And then he flips the notion of fear on its head Because the fear of God is a whole other story. It's a whole other definition, literally. Fear, in a general sense, is a feeling of being threatened, the anticipation of something dangerous or painful or even fatal. But fear of the Lord, on the other hand, is a feeling of respect, a feeling of reverence, a feeling of trust that can lead to a feeling of, of safety. The difference here is really important because our daily fears, they, they lead us to a place of worry, a place of anticipation of pain because of our own powerlessness. But the fear of God leads us to celebrate the power of God. So in our own fears, we anticipate pain because we feel powerless. But when we revere God, We trust in God's power. That's what King David is trying to tell us in Psalm 34. That God's power can be experienced in our everyday lives, in the meeting of our basic needs, in the nourishment of our very bodies. And it's in the nourishment of those bodies that we find nourishment for our souls as well because we connect again to the source of our life and the source that sustains our life. That source is one and the same. Our God, our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. And that's why our food choices matter. It's why knowledge matters. It's why awareness of where our food is grown, how it's grown, who grows it, the quality of the life of the people who grow it, when it is grown, what it takes for it to be shipped to us, What it takes for it to be put on our plates matters because the goodness of God that is ours to taste and see is designed to be good for all people because food is not created simply for the satisfaction of our needs but for the cultivation of the earth because food is not just fuel 
for our bodies. It's fuel for our souls and for our relationships and for our global ecosystem. Now, I recognize that this is an overwhelming conversation, or it can be. Twelve years ago, I read a book called Everyday Justice, The Global Impact of Our Daily Choices, and I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed to learn about the human cost of my daily choices, my patterns of consumption of everything from gasoline to clothing to paper goods to coffee to chocolate. I read the whole book, and I wondered, where do I even start? And will my choices, the choices of one person, make any difference anyway? And then I reread the beginning of the book, trying to make sense of it all. And there the author acknowledges how overwhelming this conversation is and encourages the reader to pick one thing, just one thing, one item, one basic need, one habit. Do some research. Learn about it. Learn about the connections that are made within it, where that product comes from, how it's produced, who prepares it, who makes it, what's the impact on those people and on the earth, and make a sustainable choice just for for one item, for one habit, and go from there. So I chose coffee. No surprise there, right? I did some research. I learned about the companies that are committed to paying coffee growers a fair and living wage and use farming practices that are sustainable. I purchased that coffee through local vendors whenever possible. I even took it to that same break room and shared it with my coworkers there. Now, did that action, which really mostly only benefited myself and my need for caffeine every day, did it change the world? No, but it did open my eyes to see God's goodness at work in a movement toward justice. It did invite me to taste the richness of God's provision in all of its complexity. It did reduce my fears about a world that is out of control. And it instilled in me a greater reverence for God's care of that world. In other words, it was fuel for my soul. And this is the beauty of connectedness. It reminds us that what is truly good for us is good for everybody. And that's a truth that we can see and touch and taste, one basic need, one choice at a time. So I wonder what would happen if we all took some time this week to think about God's desires for our nourishment. Perhaps we could start with taking a mental note of our relationship with food, with our daily nourishment habits, without any judgment, without any gimmicks, just with a little bit of honesty as we consider what emotions are we ignoring or fueling with our meals and our snacking or our self-denial. And then as awareness rises up in us, perhaps we could ask, what's one change that I could make to reconnect my needs with the needs of others and the needs of the earth? What's one daily change that I could make to connect my needs with the needs of others and the needs of the earth? It's in this intentional way of being nourished, beloved, that we can taste and see the goodness of God without fear. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Morningstar Las Cruces Sermon Podcast. 
This recording is made available because of the uncommon generosity of our listeners. If you find these sermons to be helpful for you and your faith journey, please consider making a donation online at www.mstarlc.church. That's M-S-T-A-R-L-C dot church. Or you can give through your phone by texting MSTAR LC to 77977. You'll receive a text back with instructions. Follow the link and your gift is made safe and easy through your phone. Or you can download the Morningstar Las Cruces mobile app available through Apple and the Google Play Store. Grace and peace to you and yours. And thank you for all it is that you do.